Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Live, Learn, Lead with me, Allison Geskin. Today, we are going to deep dive into the business and personal sides of Swan Logan, an eco-entrepreneur who has chosen to rethink her impact on the planet one sip at a time. So imagine, if you will, a deep desire pulling at the very essence of your being, a drive to be responsible for more than just yourself, a drive to leave the world, our future generations, with a safer and, dare I say, healthier planet. Imagine if you were leaving a successful career, giving up security, and some would say sanity, all because of this burning, almost blind trust you have in yourself that you can be the change, taking a path less traveled, but a path others can follow in. As we know, entrepreneurship, leadership is not for the faint of heart. It takes grit. It takes determination, perseverance, and sacrifice, and maybe just a little bit of crazy to be able to make it in this world. So today, my friends, I want you to sit back, kick off your shoes and buckle in for we are about to go on one hell of an inspiring ride. One where we look inside what it takes to be Swan as she continues to ignite change, saving our planet and those who live on it. This my friends is leadership. so happy to have you. <laughs> Thanks, Alison. I'm super excited as well. So thank you for having me in the podcast. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> when we got connected, my heart just sang and I'm like, who's telling your story? <laughs> you need to tell everybody this story. Because it's interesting. The majority of my guests um, on the podcast have, you know, been through a couple of reiterations of Helen back and, mm-hmm. you know, they're you, my dear, are just starting yes. on a new journey of hell. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> so tell me, I mean, corporate world, tell me about your life and what yeah. made you decide to that was it. Tell me about Northwater. Tell me about everything. Sure. Um, I've always had a burning desire to learn what's going on in the world, to, you know, always have some idea in my head that, mm. oh, this would be such a great idea. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts as well, and Tim Ferriss, who's one of my favorites, always <laughs> says, scratch your own itch. Yeah. So, you know, that with that in mind, I'm constantly looking for that itch that I need to scratch. And like everybody, we come across a lot of itches through our lives. Mm-hmm. Now, which one do you dabble in? Which one do you just walk past and say, not to me? I would say that I was never really thinking that... I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to make all this happen. It was always just dabbling in little itches here and there and thinking that someday, you know, I could work with people who would do this and we would come up with something. But never thought I would leave leave a secure job and a secure world (laughs) behind and just go dive all in. And uh, not even give something a chance. I always thought I'd be that person who'd let things happen, let it be successful, and then make my way into it. What was that key defining moment? When did you know, not anybody else, but when did you know that it was time for that transition to move out of that corporate world and just go all in? 
you know, you said earlier that you have to be a little crazy to <laughs> um, start anything in life, to be an entrepreneur and think that my product is the best and can make everyone change whatever their buying habits are and move towards my product. So it takes a little bit of crazy to to get there. So it was that crazy moment when I was sitting at home thinking, if I don't do this, then mm-hmm. I could never make it fully successful. I could never convince people that this was the product for them to go go after if I couldn't give it my all. Yeah. Um, and doing two jobs, having my job during the day and coming home and working these odd hours till morning was a sign that I couldn't do it both. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've learned through this journey is you have to find what you are good at, you have to find what you can do, and you've got to focus on it. Mm-hmm. Because a 50% job wasn't good enough. I had put in too much money, too much time to give it half my effort. Yeah. So that was the defining moment that, yeah, got to do it. Mm-hmm. Got to go all, all in. How did you face, because I know that there's lots of listeners out there that are either contemplating or have something per- percolating in the back of, uh, of their brain or something that they're doing, you know, off the side of their desk, in their basement, in their garage. How did you convince yourself? What was the mental agility that you needed to be able to tell the story in your, in your head that you can? A couple of things came that I went through, and this may or may not be for everybody, but passion was one of them. Mm-hmm. Being passionate about making that change because I'm that person who believes that I am the change. I am mm. the change I want to see. And so to stand on the sidelines and watch the worlds go differently from where you think the change should go is when you decide whether it's something you can do or you cannot do and or how do you influence the change. And when you don't come from a power of influence, you take the step and become the change. So take the step and become the change. Yeah, you take I the love leap. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, incredible. So that's kind of was for me, it was it was that that I can Every, like the desire, going to Fiji, it's where I am from originally. Mm-hmm. And my parents still live there. And I keep telling this story. Uh, my parents are pescatarians. And to come and to go there and learn that 75% of the fish is not edible anymore because of microplastics in them. Unbelievable. So you're like, how do you, what do you do for small island nations that mm-hmm. depend on these, uh, on the ocean for their livelihood? How do you make that changed for them because the plastic pollution that comes into these oceans, the, the you know the Pacific garbage dump, is a real thing. Yeah, um, it's not necessarily their doing. It isn't. You get bottles all the way from Europe that travels into through the oceans and lands up into the on their shores. Mm-hmm. You have plastic bags, and Fiji did a great job a couple of years back by banning single-use plastic bags. So you get fined quite heavily as a grocer if you use plastic bags. So people and they're like ridiculous fines people can't afford, so they don't do it. It's a true deterrent. It is a true deterrent. You would think, though, that instead of being fined, that being the deterrent, the fact that we're ruining our planet should be the deterrent. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, we don't we don't work that way. No. Because we, as human beings, we are generally more eager to fight the fight that affects us personally. Mm-hmm. Very myopic. Very, very myopic. Mm-hmm. So, and so this was that... And again, you could say the same for me as well, because I saw what was going on in my homeland. And I was personally, I felt that this was my battle. Yeah. Uh, it was about two years ago now, looking at a bottle in hand. We've got a <laughs> bottle in hand and uh, we are producing, we are selling, we're choosing who we partner with. 
and uh, we're trying to make a difference and hoping people can see that well, as so well. Let's connect, let's connect the dots, though, from two years ago to today, sitting in this fabulous room with Kyle. I love the room. <laughs> <laughs> and looking at your product. So water, bottled water, what's the difference? Water, for what is mostly available on shelves, there's mm -hmm. a few kinds. There's the reverse osmosis water, mm -hmm. which is generally your municipal water that Dasani, Aquafina does, you know, fil certain filtrations to it and sells it in a bottle. Then there's the spring water category, which is what we fall under and uh, even Nestle falls under the spring water category. So these water that, that, that we get from our springs are a little bit more um, enriched and doesn't have fluoride added to it, calcium added to it, and all the other good things that the city adds to the water mm -hmm. to make it safe for the general public to drink. Well, sure, because uh, we're drinking recycled water. That's right. Yeah. So the spring and spring water is safe to drink, but we still have to filter it as well, but not add anything to the water. So we don't add anything to the water. The water is naturally alkaline. Mm -hmm. uh, so as it comes from the spring, it's, it has a lot of mineral content in it because it's fed through rain, glacier, water, all the melts that kind of adds to the spring, and yeah. that's how you get your mineral content. And um, for us, the biggest difference was our packaging, was to offer water uh, in something that was attractive, yeah. that people wanted to pick up, yes. but could also choose on the shelf against a plastic bottle that they were used to buying. Mm -hmm. And prior to... You coming here a minute ago, Kyle and I were talking about this, that research shows on average um, a consumer uses their plastic bottle five times before they discard it. And so for me, I don't use reuse my plastic bottle of water that I buy. Don't go to the tap and fill it up mm -hmm. with water again. So there's somebody who's doing it 20 times probably <laughs> to get the average up to five. And every time you drink out of the plastic, it leaches into your system. The microplastics leach into the water, which you consume. Mm -hmm. And so it was the way of saying, how do we get a bottle that, you know, people would sip out of, be able to reclose, reseal the lid again. So close it up, put it away. And yeah, if you are that person who decides to go to a tap after that, you can still use the bottle and go to the tap. Mm -hmm. um, again, not meant to last months at a time but still gives you the resealability that you can. But the bottle itself isn't plastic. No, the bottle is aluminum. The Aha. bottle is 100% aluminum and has no, it's BPA-free, plastic-free, so has no, no plastic in it at all. And that to us was our go-to because we did not want to mix one more component into mm -hmm. the recycling. And we know that 91% of plastics do not get recycled. And anything that does get recycled with plastic, unfortunately, it deteriorates the quality of the plastic. So water bottles that are made of plastic that, are that has been recycled previously has a lower quality than a primary plastic mm. bottle. So now you're like, what am I dealing with? Am I really now putting all this into my system, my body? So not only does it float in the, in the oceans and sit in the landfill for generations to come, it's what it does to our own bodies. And I mean, I don't want to be living with microplastics in my system, at least. No, <laughs> so. no, no. We, have enough, we have enough shit in our yeah, systems that's already. Right. <laughs> totally do. Yes, with all the pollution and everything else we've been, and everything we've been ingesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've, I can, if I can rule some of these things out, why not? So Northwater was born. Northwater was born. Yeah. What's your journey been like so far? 
It's been challenging and exciting <laughs> and crazy and everything you can think of. How many times have you have you thought about throwing in the towel? So it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> has not. I have been very fortunate. This hasn't happened yet. And knock on I wood. Think, Let's, I'm knocking knock on, on wood, wood right now. Yes. Um, I wouldn't deny that, you know, that I've had all hunky-dory days and no yeah. sleepless nights. I've had lots of sleepless it's nights. It's tough. It is tough out there. Yeah. It is tough because you're putting out a premium product mm -hmm. at a premium price point. We as consumers are used to paying 10 cents a bottle for a bottle of water, a plastic bottle of water. You could go into any of the supermarkets and grab a case of 24 for like, I don't know, three bucks, 250. Yeah. So what does it work out to be? Like 15 cents a bottle, 10 cents a bottle. And now here we are trying to convince that same consumer to buy $2 more and $3 more mm -hmm. for a bottle of water. Mm -hmm. It's a very huge transition, mm -hmm. but that is the cost of a plastic-free planet. Yes. Single-use, if you want to get rid of single-use plastics, that is the cost. And I think people will, as more and more companies join the trend, mm -hmm. we would find that people are learning and moving away and accepting the new cost of their behavior. If you want to buy bottled water, pay the price point. But that, that goes out to all um, environmental initiatives. They sure. come at a cost. Yeah. And what price are you willing to pay? So this is going to be a true test for consumers to say, do I really care about the environment enough to spend that extra dollar? It's a or social not? experiment. It is a social experiment. Mm -hmm. And I think we are part of this big experiment. And we'll see where we are in two years' time and if we are still around and selling, then it's going to be telling. So what was it like when you entered the market? What was the market like for you? Was, were they receptive? Did they get it? So um, we did a trade show in February when yeah. things were still, trade shows were still a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-COVID, of course, in, in February uh, for Canadian um, food and health, uh, it was called CFHA. Mm -hmm. And at the trade show, we had people stop at our booth because it was such an attractive packaging. Yeah. So people would come from a far end and say, that fridge full of bottles, what is that? I mm -hmm. need to see it. Mm -hmm. And then the first question they would ask, they'd touch it and be like, what is this? Is this plastic? And then we'd go into the story of it. And so we were, got a very warm reception, mm -hmm. a very warm reception. Uh, Safeway Sobeys had, in fact, we met with us June last year when this was just a picture on a 3D, like just an image. Mm -hmm. Our bottle was an image and said, we're interested because we're moving away from single-use plastics. Fantastic. So, so that was we, like your proof of concept. It was our proof of concept and it was really nice for uh, Safeway to actually give us that opportunity. And so we've learned that the reception has been warm, but there's also been the price point that's been a bit of a, a stickler in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, because by the time someone buys it from us, they've got their margins on and all that. So it's it's just going to be, as we said earlier, a social experiment to yeah. see what it's going to look like. But overall, as long as people aren't spending money, they're excited about the bottle itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, though, that you know, yay for our planet and yay for our children and our children's children. You know, we're starting to see this movement of caring for our planet in a much more thoughtful way, mm -hmm. um, taking space in industries across. You see the changes in automotive industry. You see changes in food. You see changes in retail and fashion. And you now see changes in how people consume plastics mm -hmm. and either recycle or not. Right. It's no longer an option. No. 
And I think it's it's these are the small changes we can make. Mm-hmm. And when you know when you hear people protesting for you know climate change and everything else out there to protect the environment. Kudos to them. I think it's so brave to go out there and speak up and to tell the world that we should do something about it. But it small starts, changes start small. You don't sure. just jump into a major change and still keep your old habits alive. Mm-hmm. You can't. You cannot do that. So mm-hmm. the hypocrisy uh, will have to end at some point for people who want major changes but not, aren't willing to make the small changes on your part, on their part. Because... Demand will always fuel supply. If Absolutely. there's a demand, somebody is going to make money on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and we'll always find ourselves back in the same place, fighting again. If it's not us, it's going to be the generations after us. So it's, it's these small changes. And the cost to these changes are, not, uh, are going to become significant because today it's single-use plastic bottles. Uh, with the straws last year, tomorrow it's going to be something else. And we're going to keep seeing that. Mm-hmm. And COVID hasn't helped any of this because the use, single-use uh, plastics have gone through the roof because oh, really? of COVID. Yes. So consumption has gone up. Um, I went out a few weeks ago and got some takeaway from a you know little cute little spot downtown. <laughs> and um, they went with some some relatives, and they were really upset with the amount of plastic that came with the takeout ah. because it was the takeout container. It was every little utensil was in a plastic, every and then mm-hmm. every little... And the utensils were plastic. Utensils all plastic, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So and the bag probably bag, that it came plastic in. Plastic bag, it came yes. in was plastic. And then it had little plastic um, things of sources, about six or seven of them. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, it was, I remember uh, my sister-in-law was like, I, I don't know. This is like, she's like, I'm just not impressed. And she was kind of quite turned off. Yeah. And uh, I could see that. So it's, it's, COVID has brought in a lot of, and from masks that have plastics in them to latex the, gloves, the, the gloves to, to everything. Yeah. So it, we've become a use and discard culture very quickly mm-hmm. uh, just because it feels like it's a safe and the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that So we are going to see, I think, more more and more plastics just because of this. Um, and I'm hoping that people can turn away and and start focusing and, and looking at using reusable masks. And Well, it's really about, I think, not necessarily changing the narrative, but having a stronger narrative than fast accessibility. Absolutely. And that kind of one and done, and then the consequences of that one and done. Mm-hmm. So really it is that strong narrative that it has meaning. And it's really interesting because I think you're in a really great space, although it's COVID and it's really hard to run a business <laughs> during COVID. Sorry, it's true. <laughs> it's crazy. But there is such a, I'm starting to see like in countries that I work in outside of North America, and I'm starting to feel and see this movement of sustainability, of a deeper meaning and purpose. And maybe mm-hmm. that's what COVID, maybe the one of the unintended consequences of COVID is that it really made people look inside themselves. What are they doing? What are they impacting? What what place and space mm-hmm. do they want their world to become? And so I feel like people will be more and more attracted to not only the story behind Northwater, but the intent and the fact that we are and we can make a small change that will benefit not necessarily only our generation, but for our generations, generations on top of generations. Absolutely. And that was the goal because my business partner, Linda, she's a long-term, long-time friend, 
and now my business partner mm-hmm. um her and i when we were when we first started talking about uh, bottled water uh it came through a thing of putting an alternative out there yeah. but a strong canadian brand of alternative there's mm-hmm. lots of bottled water out there there's no real strong canadian brand out there so it was like how do you put forward a strong canadian brand of water that shows the world the responsibility we can take and how we are a responsible nation mm-hmm. and for her she moved here as a as a refugee um from vietnam when she was a child and she's got two little girls and for her it was that drive it was to leave the planet better for them it was the desire for them to see that you know what the mess that our generations and the generations before us have created we need to find a solution to the mess so for her it was showing her children that you can you can go back and clean up the mess that you know at least go forward you may not be able to go back and clean yeah. up everything but you can certainly change the narrative going forward of how we perceive our planet and what we're doing for it it was also this thing of showing her children that they can be anything they want in this world as well yes. they can be they don't need to all everybody doesn't need to go become a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant we can all be we can choose the path that we want to take in our lives mm-hmm. to to do something that we are passionate about instead of just waiting for someone else to make the change for us so it's 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 been a journey it's certainly been a journey a very exciting journey um you know we've went into this uncharted territories of you know of, of bottling water something we had never done we both <laughs> come from a very corporate world your first time both in entrepreneurship yes it and is and probably your first time in a partnership first time in a partnership which is so interesting so i always like to ask this how do you guys resolve conflict in your partnership yeah so we the <laughs> such a funny question because i'm i'm just going through all the conflicts we go through pretty much every other day because we are two very different people is yeah. so different yeah but the thing that brings us together we share the same values oh i love that so and that's your linkage that's our linkage yeah. linda and i met uh, volunteering on the board of uh, calgary immigrant women's association mm-hmm. so we're both on the board i was brand new to canada and uh, i wanted to do something ex- like i've always volunteered my entire life i've spent volunteering for little things here and there and so i thought you know i wanted to give back and i still wanted to continue volunteering it was going to be a great way to meet other women who mm-hmm. were similar to me and other build my network around the city as well and so immigrant women's association felt like the right fit for me because i was an immigrant and i could tell the challenges at least talk to their challenges and yeah. and understand and that's where I met Linda and a few other lifelong <laughs> friends and it was the best decision i made and uh, so from there our friendship started and it was our values like we both value giving back we both value living a better life living behind a better life for the generations to come we both also our values just tie together and so when it comes to conflict resolution um, we both have our own stand mm-hmm. there's certain things that she's an expert in and i respect that and there's certain things i would not necessarily call an expert myself but would probably have a better deeper appreciation than she would and so we hash it out we've had moments where we've both been like so adamant that it's not going to go mm-hmm. the way the other person wants and few more minutes of dialogue and we both respect each other i love that so there's a lot of mutual respect and there's uh, values that it comes down to and makes it so much easier because we both realize at the end of the day 
that we are going after the same thing. We're, we're both trying to achieve, our goals are the same at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's just our paths to get there is very different. Just we have different perspectives and very different, different insight and mm-hmm. different strategic thinking. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think that uh, partners that are really able to kind of navigate their way through their trajectory of their organization mm-hmm. are ones that first and foremost really deploy and live in the sense of radical candor. So they're they're great at being able to create a space where it's a safe space to have those hard conversations and not take it personally and to be able to put their ego aside. But I've also seen some stuff that's quite playful. I've got one company comes to mind, two owners, and they arm wrestle. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's a good one. And what happens is- I'll probably lose, but I'll try that next time with her. When I I started to go down this rabbit hole with them, I'm like, you do what? Like, no, no, we arm wrestle. But here's what happens and the psychology behind that. So when they get, uh, you know, two very headstrong, you know, intelligent, forceful men um, to get to a point where they've got to arm wrestle, it kind of takes the seriousness out of it. Totally does. And it puts the playfulness of it. And so they start to laugh. And so it's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And whether or not they put any effort into it or not, but it just takes the whole, it just diminishes any sort of stickiness. Yes. And after they have a little, you know, okay, you won, I won. No, I'm going to get you next time. Okay. So how are we really going to solve this problem? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting. So one of, like, I do have to make mention of this, that Mm. we have both made decisions where um, the other person was against it and one of us won without an arm wrestle. It was maybe <laughs> words. It was one was more convincing and have had moments and hasn't been too many, but two that I can think of and were wrong. Mm. And the other person's intuition mm-hmm. was correct. Mm-hmm. So even though one of us might, may have a more convincing argument, mm-hmm. I have been wrong and she was right. But the best thing about all of this is that neither her nor I have ever gone around and said, you should have listened to me mm-hmm. or I was right. We so do no not ego. go back and relive yeah. the decision making. We go back and relive our lessons. Mm. And so we've moved on from that and said, okay, what lesson have do have we learned here? And okay, let's never do this again or try next time we're going to check you know, these things off before we make a decision. Mm-hmm. So, and that I think has been our strength like thus far. And I, and I see that going to be our strength down the road as well, mm-hmm. because just of our personalities, we do not go back and look at things that went sideways and, and blame each other. We do not play the blaming game. We both take responsibility and we are so big on the lessons because starting something brand new like this that we have never worked in, neither one of us have even worked in a bottling plant. Forget about <laughs> running it's one. uncharted waters? <laughs> it, is unch- it is uncharted waters. No doubt about that. It is uncharted. And we, neither one of us have gone down that path and no pun intended on that either, I guess. So learning has been steep. So mm-hmm. you can, we make a ton of mistakes and we make mistakes even sometimes we both would agree on something and end up doing something that's not right. Well, I think that's also another key point um, to remember is that you're on a journey and it's not going to be perfect and you're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen that are going to go sideways. It's how you circle back. It's how you pivot around that and what lesson in that learning makes you stronger. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the challenges are also a dose of adrenaline too, right? Like, let's not forget that. <laughs> so there's some excitement around <laughs> that. <laughs> 
I am an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> Depends on what kind, I guess. But yeah, like there is, there's definitely like, I've always been a person that I love to, I've got a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I'm very high, high on energy. So I love to see things moving and I love solving problems. Mm-hmm. And I love um, being able to look for ideas of, of ways of different ways of doing something. And so this allows us to do that. Yeah. Um, and that is such an exciting, exciting thing. And I think for most entrepreneurs, that's the excitement that drives us every day. And you probably have the same as, as well, because <laughs> it's this, you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what conversations you're going to have. Yeah. You don't know what issues you're going to have. You may have people who don't show up for a podcast, you know. <laughs> I'm sure that happens. <laughs> no, that has never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a perfect plan that's supposed to go a certain way and it doesn't. So it's... it's, it's you just lean into it. Challenge. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so much more fun and to be actually able to have that freedom to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I want to ask you, where does that freedom come from? A lot of it is your own personality, right? It's, it's, um, I don't think that's something you learn. Mm-hmm. It's your own desire, your own personality, your own, just how you were raised mm-hmm. to some extent as well. Um, Do you think it's also a little bit about giving yourself permission? It totally is. Yeah. It, it completely is. And I think the permission to, to make a mistake the permission to know that uh, you're going to learn. Yeah. The permission to actually go dig deep and look for the solution and look for answers. It it, it does come from that, and mm-hmm. it, it and that's the crazy again, right? Yep. Where you think that I can do it and I can solve it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, you know, when you and I were first talking about this on the phone, one of the things you were mentioning was the the number of people that want to become entrepreneurs, and it's a uh, it's it's a thing that we all think about, maybe, or not all, at least people think about, but the journey isn't as easy as it looks. No, it's and not. And we, like, we have, hist- historically, successful entrepreneurs have been um, hailed as heroes. Mm-hmm. And, but what we don't know is the demons and the things that they have dealt with in their lives to become successful. So for any entrepreneur before you even start on the journey, it's always important to go and read and do your research on the failures as well. Yeah. Because we've only we've only hailed the success of mm-hmm. people. We haven't seen, gone and looked into their closets of all the failures and the mistakes that they have made. That's right. And so it's it's and the and the cost of an on, becoming an entrepreneur. There's <laughs> it's very costly. It's costly. Yeah. And it's not just costly from money standpoint, from a financial standpoint. It's costly from mental health mm-hmm. um, it's costly from your physical health mm-hmm. your emotional well-being costly from a relationship standpoint all of that mm-hmm. so it's you've got to be ready for all of it yeah and uh you know it's it's never how you anticipate it to be not the cost to run the business you know as a startup you don't have the ability to go higher a large firm mm-hmm. to help you navigate what the costs are going to look like so you can budget and you can plan I have worked in oil and gas and, you know, you'd come up with this awesome idea in in business development that, oh, I'm going to start this plant here. You go and hire some of the best uh, third-party consultants in the world who go and look at five other similar plants that have been set up in in the US and in the Caribbean and come back and say, with the geographical changes and everything like this, you are expecting your plant to cost X amount of dollars per year to to put up a plant based on your production rate. 
as a small business, you don't have that luxury. So you're going by just what you think and you're making sure you've included everything. And that stress is real. Mm-hmm. It's real when you realize that, oh, I thought I could have this running in under a million dollars. Now I'm like at three. Now I have to go look for money. Mm-hmm. I have to go find people who want to buy my product. So you're constantly living that life, that the energy, put, focusing, putting that energy in, into the business at all times. And one of the most crucial mistakes I have made in my life, and I know most entrepreneurs do um, go through the same pattern, is that you forget to look after yourself. Mm-hmm. Because as a startup, you're trying to save money, you're trying to think, so you're doing everything. You're the, you know, we, jo- we always joke. Linda and I always joke when we introduce ourselves. I have the title of CEO. She has the title of CFO. We have all these glamorous titles, but I'm like, I'm also the glorified janitor. Yeah. I'm the plant person as well. I make boxes. Mm-hmm. I, you know, put, I do deliveries. I do everything. I'm the salesperson and so is she. Yeah. So you wear multiple hats and in wearing all these multiple hats, you forget to step back. Mm-hmm. You forget to look after your own health and your business is your health. That's right. You so, are your business, your business is you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of, that's been the biggest lesson for me is like, how am I looking after myself emotionally and mentally? And I've had the same conversations with my staff and Linda included. We've had these things that let's not be everything. Yeah. It's about time we stepped away. It's about time we took that mental break. We need to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll always be up till midnight, one o'clock in the morning, resolving problems. And I think that comes with a strong sense of self-awareness to be able to give yourself permission mm-hmm. to be able to take that time to either bug out or realize that things aren't necessarily working the way that you want. And I think it also comes with a strong element of being able to trust yourself. Right. Yeah. It's also an ego thing too, though. Mm-hmm. It's an ego thing because you have to go back and tell yourself that. Somebody can do this better than I can. And it's a difficult step to take back because Mm -hmm. it's a very difficult step in life because um, I was explaining this to my plant manager one time and I was saying to him, it's like having a child. You know the best for your child when they're little. Then they go through the stage of becoming a youth to a place where they actually can make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. But you still have that little bit of control over them because you still think you know best about them. Yes, you did when they were little. Now that they're their own beings, they can actually make those decisions themselves and actually know themselves better than you know them, right? Mm -hmm. But this letting go is very difficult because with Linda and I, it was researching the size of the plant, what equipment we were going to choose, what what steps we were going to go through to get there, what site we were going to go into, building that site from scratch. When we walked into that site, it had nothing but gravel on the floor and just a wall that surrounded the entire warehouse, which was 30,000 square feet of warehouse space. And we got every single thing in there, including the drain to the concrete. I mean, of course, somebody else did it, but (laughs) we were behind what is what is it going to take? Yeah. So learning that, that was a thing we had never done. So it was learning all that, learning the construction process, learning how to deal with silly little things that go in your bottle Mm -hmm. um, from a food and health and safety perspective to how you're going to market and how you're going to sell. Yeah. Um, It was a lot of learning and that you think you know it all. So it's very hard to... Then you find out the more you learn, the more you realize, the more you don't know. That's right. It's incredible. Absolutely. It is. 
and knowing it's and it's a hit to the ego the first time you realize that there's one person who just walks into your building and walks into your warehouse and actually knows more than you do and is your employee, <laughs> right? So you're like, I was supposed to know more, but oh, hold on, there's an expert here who mm-hmm. knows better than I do. So it's giving them the chance to do what they can do better than you can yes. because that's more efficient and way more productive and empowers them. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's not just about um, a bottle that's going to solve the world's problem, Let's hope someday does. But it's not just about making that change. It's also about empowering people who work with us. Mm-hmm. So it's been, a, it's, it's been very interesting. And we create that culture that, you know what? Anything behind those doors in the warehouse is for you to run with. Excellent. What we tell our partner. So smart. So mm-hmm. smart. And then he comes- You have to allow people to lean into Absolutely. their strengths mm-hmm. in business. And also to be able to recognize where your weaknesses are and to shore up those weaknesses with really smart, talented people. Mm-hmm. That's why you pay them. That's why they have a seat Absolutely. at the table because it's a compliment to your strengths. Yeah. yeah. And to, if you want your business to be successful, it's one of those steps you have to take in life because mm-hmm. thinking that being a jack of all trades and master of none is is not a compliment. <laughs> no. I know for if for some people it might be something to be proud of, but it's not a compliment. It's mm-hmm. not a compliment in business. You can't do everything. You can't do everything. And, and nor should you. Nor should you. Mm-hmm. No. And not just from um, from a, an efficiency point and your productivity at work, not just from that, for, for your own mental health, for your own health's sake, you cannot do it. Yeah. To save your relationships, to save, you know, you cannot do it. It's so, so important that you address the personal and professional sides of success. I'm such a strong advocate of that. Mm-hmm. What's next for Northwater? Well, for us now, it's uh, just creating the brand awareness, getting into the market, mm-hmm. uh, expanding our market size, and continuing global on the domination. Global domination. <laughs> Here we come. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's the goal. The goal is to actually go global. Excellent. Uh, it's to put a strong Canadian brand out there that yeah. people can relate to Canada. That shows that you know what this is part of my everyday being. I can, if I am buying bottled water then this is a brand for me to go after because I've done some honors good by choosing the bottle. Um, makes me look good, feel good. I, mm-hmm. It works with every day of my life. Yep. I could be on a jog and I could carry it. I could be in a boardroom and I could have it. I could be doing yoga. I could be at a, at a fashion event and still have it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that bringing the bottled water into people's everyday lives, not just from hydration, but just a better alternative. But again, for us, we do reiterate, if it's safe to drink from the tap, drink out of the tap. Mm-hmm. It's that, it's that on-the-go alternative yeah. is what this really is. It's not, a, it's not a replacement for safe municipal drinking water. It's not a replacement for that. It's for when you don't have access to that. Mm. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. I cannot wait to watch you grow and evolve and just really help heal the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. This is a, it was lovely to meet you in person, finally, <laughs> and to actually get this done. Like, I'm, I'm so, so grateful for the opportunity. And yeah, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Live, Learn, Lead with me, Alison Geskin. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow. And a great free way to support this podcast is to review and rate it. Always remember, my friends, that the most powerful thing you can be is you.